How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. We held him from getting a triple-double. Take that, Russell Westbrook. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. Today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Andrew Forch's Yarns. So if you want to be like Andrew and be a Patreon sponsor, head to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at redrock underscore b-ball and facebook.com slash redrockbasketball. We're going to talk about all of Wednesday's action. Then we're going to slide ourselves into a preview of Thursday's games. So let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. Um, let's start with the monstrous line of the night, and you know who it is. Of course, it's him. It's Russell Westbrook, 45, 9, and 10, almost the uh, record triple-double, almost the 42nd triple-double of the season for Russ. I believe he needs six more assists now over the last four games of the year to average a triple-double, so he's obviously going to get that. Not six per game, six total assists, so he's going to get that. 45, 9, and 10. He also had five steals and hit eight threes and was 14 of 25 from the field. Just ridiculously big numbers from Westbrook. He is still the number two ranked player in fantasy, but over all the other splits that we've got over on Basketball Monster last three months, last two months, last month, last two weeks, last week, he's the number one player. So Harden had that that start. Russ has obviously come hard towards the end. And he's putting up ludicrous numbers. And over the last two weeks, he's averaging averaging 37, 12.5, and 11.5 with 4.3 threes per game, 2.1 steals, and 48% shooting. Fantasy playoffs, that is absolutely ridiculous. Those numbers are, are stupendous. They are so, they are so absolutely amazing. They are over 50% better in terms of fantasy value than what he's done throughout the course of the year. That's how good these last two weeks have been. And, Exactly at the right time for you, I guess, if you're in the playoffs. Westbrook is carving it up, and it just doesn't look like it's ever going to stop. He just continues to do it every single game, and that's why he is your monstrous line of the night, as he was two days ago, as he was probably four days before that. The waiver wire line of the night, returning from the dead, big source, Alan Williams. 16 and 17 for Willow. He had four steals as well. He went five of nine from the field and six of eight from the line. I, I wrote him off. I thought he was done, and that's because he was done. He played seven minutes in the last game. He hadn't got to 20 in four previous games. And in this one, Alex Len did get some early foul trouble, and that allowed Williams to come back in for 25 minutes, and that's a big, big rebounding game. It had been five games since he had the double-digit rebounds. I'm not necessarily buying into this to think that he's going to start getting 26 a night moving forward because the trend had definitely been to trend away from him. But we've seen it with the Suns plenty of times that 
not a lot makes sense with a lot of things that they do. Yeah, Jared Dudley playing 33 minutes is one of those things that you can add to the list of things that don't necessarily make a huge amount of sense. But this was a good game from Williams. Huge. You know, if you're looking for some rebounds, maybe as a streaming option, he, he could he could be that guy. But I wouldn't be banking on this and going and rushing to find him on the wire and going and adding him after this game because I just don't think that it's necessarily going to be 100% replicable or even something that he's going to approach too much in the next couple of games. He has had a, a strong post-All-Star break sort of area, but the last month he's still the 170th ranked player. The last two months he's still the 149th. So yes, he's averaged almost nine rebounds a game through that time, but he doesn't do enough in any other areas. So he was the sexy ad and rightfully so, but he hasn't been able to sustain it. And this is a step in the right direction. Let's just see. Let's just see where it goes from uh, from here for big source Alan Williams. The young gun of the night. It's pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Nikola Jokic just missed the triple-double, much like Russell Westbrook. 12, 19, and 9 for Jokic. He had five steals as well. He had a block. He was oddly inefficient going 6 of 17 from the field, but he continues to be fantastic. He's the 10th ranked player over the last three months and 14th post All-Star. Um, yeah, what, what, what more is there to say about this guy? 28 minutes a game for the year, only 28 minutes a game, averaging 16 and a half, 10 and 5. And you, you, sh- you should be looking at, and I reckon a reasonable expectation for him to next season is to go 20, 20, 13 and 7. I don't think that's outlandishly crazy maybe it is but say over the last two months in 30 minutes he's at 18 11 and a half and six you play him 33 a night 34 a night and those numbers go up 56 percent shooting from the field 83 percent shooting from the line great numbers from Jokic and it is just his second season so he will get better next season and he will get better you know probably the season after that as well so he's going to be that guy that if you want him next season, you're probably going to have to take him in the first round. And that's not to say that you have to take him or that he has to be a guy. You get. And I love Jokic. You know I love him. But a lot of the time with guys that I love, they end up going, especially in drafts that I'm in, that tend to be with people who listen to this show and they know the guys that I like. So they do tend to go a little bit earlier. I end up not grabbing them just because they end up going either on their value or on their best case scenario. And that's not necessarily the best spot to grab a lot of these players. And I think that sort of thing might happen to Jokic next season. So I can see myself really having very few shares in him um, next year to be trying to identify the, the next sort of guy who you can get or you can squeeze a round of value out of. Because I got Jokic in the third and fourth round in, in lots of places this year. And he's obviously exceeded that. And that's that's the idea that I'd be looking at towards next year. And I reckon you're going to have Jokic pushing up to the 10 to 15 range and then squeezing that extra value out of him is going to be pretty tough. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We're obviously a long way from that, but that's how I that's how I sort of envisage things happening with that at the moment. The dud of the night, Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics. Bradles returned from his illness and had four points on one of eight shooting, seven boards, a steal, and an assist. It was not a good performance from Bradley. He is the 55th ranked player for this season, but he's 126th over the last three months, 138th post-All-Star, struggling. The three games since he returned from the illness, 322nd, because he's shooting horribly, 30% from the field. That's a big part of it, 50% from the line, really, really large dip in his shooting numbers, 7% from three, seven. And they're all going to go up. Those shooting percentages will will rise. So to me, he's not a drop candidate. But I can totally understand why you would think that. 
And even if you did, I don't think I wouldn't be looking at you going, man, what are you doing? That's crazy. Because yeah, the last two months, when you ranked 138, that's not awesome. It's, it's not awesome at all. And you're maximizing games, getting two extra games by dropping Bradley, which you could do from streaming. Maybe you get three extra games. It's probably worth it. But he's not an auto drop. But he is someone that is not locked in because the numbers haven't been there for a prolonged period of time. And you can probably do better by assuming you can do better, assuming your league permits it with um with waiver wire ads and how many transactions you've got left and your schedule and all that sort of stuff. But don't consider him an absolute lock. I think he's where I'm trying to get at with this one from Brattles. All right, let's um let's move in now and talk about these games in a bit of extra detail. There were eight games on on Wednesday. The first one of those, the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets. Jim Johnson moved into the starting lineup, his first start for the season, because it's been really, really important for us to have Luke Babbitt starting and playing 16 minutes a night all season. Jim finally started. I guess it helps to boost his sixth man of the year candidacy, which I think that he should be really close to winning. He won't get anywhere near it. But if I was voting for him, he'd be in top two for me. 26 points for Jim, six triples, six, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, 83% shooting. He has been an enormous player for the Heat this season. Got them the big victory here against the Hornets. Weirdly enough, the amount of questions I've had about Jim Johnson this year and his value for next year has probably exceeded any player. What do you think about Johnson for next year? He's going to be able to do the same. And to me, he is one of the biggest unknowns heading into next season. For now, it's clear. You own him. But as an unrestricted free agent, the Heat have no bird rights. Where does he go that he is afforded the same opportunity? He is 30 plus years old. Will he you know, transition this into another big year? There's so many question marks over Jim. Now, I love him. I think he could do great stuff in fantasy, and this has been fantastic, but he's a real unknown to me moving forward. Goran Dragic had 33, 1, and 4. He hit five triples and had two steals, while Whiteside had 13 and 20 with three blocks. So big numbers from their stars. Well, Joshy Richardson, this is the Joshy Richardson that I was looking forward to before the MCL tear. 19 points, four triples, six boards, five assists, one block, and he did it without shooting the lights out. Yes, he did hit 57% of his threes but only 43% of the, from the field. But it's the six boards, the five assists, his ability to block shots that really brings him up. And, and at this point, with Daniel Wade is still unknown. I think you have to own Richo. And there will be some shit shooting nights in there, but he has turned it on over the last week to become the player that we knew that he could become. It, we just did, it just took a while for us to see that. Tyler Johnson had 12, 2, and 3 with his three triples as well. He's a solid without being a must-own guy. On to the Hornets. Nick Batum, 24-3-7, one steal and one block, one of his better games, while Marv Williams bounced back from an absolute stinker the other night. He had 15-12 and 12 with three triples, still a guy that I would own. Well, uh, Frank the Tank, just the 13 in 22, and Cody Zeller had 8-4-3, and three, and neither Zeller or Kaminsky should be must-owns. I'd have Zeller over Kaminsky, and Kaminsky's more a 14-team league sort of a player. Marco Ballinelli strained his finger and was not able to return. So Jeremy Lamb got extra minutes. 23 minutes for Lamb. Six and five with a block. 
that should pique the interest of people in some deeper leagues. If Ballinelli happens to miss time, you're going to see some extra minutes go Jeremy Lamb's way, but it's probably not going to have too much of an impact on standard formats. Kemba had 18-2-5 with his three triples. The next game, the Toronto Raptors and the Detroit Pistons, Kyle Lowry back out of nowhere, really. We, we heard that yeah, he was looking to return before the end of the regular season. Then you get this news that, hey, he's ready to go. And he started and he played 42 minutes. Oh, it's bang. It's ready. He's back in business. Clearly, you add him if you didn't already. 27, 5, and 10 with two steals and two triples and 56%, not percent, 56% from Lowry. Just back where he was, not even back where he was because he was starting to fade. Back to December, Kyle Lowry. With that, that's going to reduce what Corey Joseph can do, but it didn't really in this one. Joseph played 27 minutes. He had 15 and 5 with two steals and two triples. I would not rely upon that. And if I had Corey Joseph on my roster, he now becomes easily a streaming spot. Despite this performance, Norman Powell was a DMP CD to give Joseph those extra minutes, but I would not be, I would not be relying upon Corey Joseph to do this on a consistent basis. Jonas Valanciunas, 27 minutes, 19 and 5. It, it, he realizes what to do, Dwayne Casey. He realizes that he needs to play him. So this, this is great news for Jonas Valanciunas fans and owners. Well, uh, PJ Numnuts Tucker had nine points in his 28 minutes, hit three triples, just sort of doing what he does apart from the unnecessary fighting. He is a, a deeper league sort of a player. DeMar DeRozan struggled with his shot a lot, 12 points on 17 shots, but as he did a couple of days ago, added big assist numbers, 10 assists here for DeRozan. That's a season high, while Damari Carroll is absolutely dreadful. I don't know why he continues to play minutes over Powell, over Tucker. He started, played 13 minutes, and scored two points. He's useless, and that's all I have to say about that. On to the Pistons. Contavious Caldwell-Pope has been ruled out. He is not with the team due to a personal matter. Cut to half time. Here's KCP just strolling onto the court, starting the second half. What? What's happening here? I thought he wasn't with the team. Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't with the team. He was with his missus giving birth, and then he just buggered off from the hospital to come and, uh, and play the second half. Weird shit, really. Weird. Just just very weird. KCP, not with team. Out. Cool. Halftime. Here we go. The NBA needs to... You shouldn't be able to... You should you shouldn't be able to have a, a, a game, a sport where a bloke can just rock up at half time and play. You, sh- you shouldn't be you shouldn't be able to say he's out and then he just rocks up at half time. That seems so not right to me. Reggie Bullock started. He looked all right, seven two and one in his twenty three minutes. But obviously, with KCP making the miraculous return, his value was limited in the second half. While the tackle box started, which is another travesty, six and five in fourteen minutes for John Lua, and Toby had sixteen in his thirty four. Ish Smith. It looks like we're not seeing Reggie Jackson again this year. Sixteen four and six for Ish, while Bainsey had twelve and seven in his nineteen minutes. Andre Drummond eleven and fourteen. Oh man, he has just regressed so hard under Stan Van Gundy. 14 rebounds is nice. No defensive numbers, horrible offensive performances, just absolutely useless offensively. And watching him post up is a disgrace. He's had the most shot attempts via post up, and he's in the 17th percentile in the NBA at 0.7 points per possession, which is ludicrously low. It, it, it just it, Van Gundy's been trying this for three years. It doesn't work. He can't do it. Stop doing it. Stop forcing it. Van Gundy's done a terrible job, I think, coaching this team this year. 
Marcus Morris, 15 points in 19 minutes. He had some foul trouble, so that limited him, and that enabled Stan Johnson to play 29. He only had 3-3-3 with a triple one, so it wasn't too much exciting there from Big Stan. Cleveland and Boston, LeBron just went bananas, 36-10-6 with two blocks and a three in a big smacking, but weirdness again in shoes. LeBron plays 39 minutes in a game that the Cavs are up by 20 at the end of the third quarter, and... and Ty Lue is, is closing the game with his closing lineup. You're up by 20-plus, man. Sit these guys on a back-to-back. LeBron, just played, he's played 39 minutes here. Bananas. Tristan Thompson was out with his thumb issue. Channing Fry started, played 17, and had 10-8 and eight with two steals and two threes. It'll probably be the similar thing for the Cavs' next game on Friday, but that does not mean that Fry becomes an automatic add. J.R. Smith hit another two threes. It wasn't the four threes that he's been knocking down, but two triples for 12 points in 31 minutes becomes a, an interesting three-point specialist, while Kyrie had 19 with five assists, and Kevin Love had 15 and 16. And the bench, as pretty much per usual with this team, did absolutely nothing. The Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, 26-4-6, and six, another fairly efficient night, apart from from three where he went one of eight, but a good night nonetheless for Isaiah, while Al Horford had 12-7-3. and three. Jay Crowder played through his elbow problem. He wasn't awesome. He wasn't terrible, 13-4-2, and two. and um, Amir Johnson only 14 minutes in a start, 8-3. and three. Both teams went pretty small in this one, so we saw a lot more of Marcus Smart and, and Jalen Brown. We had Terry Rozier getting minutes when there's no way that that should be happening. Smart had 4-2-4, four, four. not a must-own guy, nor, of course, is Jalen Brown. The next game, we'll take a look at the uh, Denver Nuggets and the Houston Rockets. The Rockets get the victory in the end, a key a key loss for the Nuggets. The Rockets lock in the three seed. The Rooster, Danilo Gallinari, had 23-5-3 with three triples. He has been absolutely fantastic this year. I believe he leads the NBA in post-up points per position putting up some uh, some big numbers there. While uh, Ken Fareed was able to overcome his back issue, he started, he played 13 minutes. He had 10-2-1. There's no reason to own Fareed in your standard leagues. Everyone was back for the Nuggets apart from Fart and Will Barton. So Jameer Nelson started. He played 32 and had 8-2-5. He's really just an assists type specialist. But interestingly here, with Nelson back, he played the 32. The Moutier still stayed in the rotation, and that's part of Barton not being there. Now, Moutier played 16 minutes. He had 6-6-3, six, six, and three, while the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, had 8-3-4 and four with two steals and a block. Both of those guys shot horribly, 20% for Moutier, 23% for Murray, and any sort of indication or inkling you might have that they would retain standard league value is, is probably dead in the water. Gaz Harris. No! 17 points for Gaza, 1-3, 1 steal, 3 rebounds, 57% shooting. Another very, very solid performance from him, while Wilson Chandler's shooting was abysmal, but he did end up with 16-5. and five. Not, not a complete write-off of a night there for Wilson. On to the Rockets. They welcomed back Jim Harden. They welcomed back Trev Ariza. They were without, of course, Ryan Anderson and Sammy Decker, but they made a change to their starting lineup. Eric Gordon moved to the bench, and Troy Williams remained starting. Now, Williams... Only played 15 minutes and had four and three, so he's more of a token starter than an actual starter. Gordon still played 38 off the bench and had 11, three, and one. But Ryan Anderson looks like he's going to be back on Friday. So Eric Eric Gordon, Lou Williams' values, they're going to disappear pretty quickly. Now, they shot horrifically here. 14% for Gordo, 11% for Lou. But when Anderson comes back, they both see their minutes reduced and their shot attempts reduced, and that's going to leave them to become more just streaming-type specialists. 
Jimmy had 34, 7, and 10 with three blocks and four triples while Ariza, he does thrive in that power forward spot. 15 and 10 with three triples for Ariza. Nene with a great line off the bench, 16 and 4, while Clint Capella had his 15 and 11 double double in 24 minutes. And Nene is a sneaky stream option um, when he plays, but far from a must own guy, whereas Capella's the guy you want there. Clearly, 9 and 11 to Pat Bev as well. Not the same numbers that he put up with Harden now, but still. A relatively okay performance from Pat Beverly. Oklahoma City and Memphis. Talked about Westbrook already. Oladipo, a triple one, 15-3 and 5. They're pretty okay numbers. They're not brilliant, but they're okay. This was a weird one. Jeremy Grant was given a DMP CD in a game that Alex Abrines and Andre Robertson, or Abrines didn't play, and then Robertson was unable to return in the second half, but Grant was a DMP CD. So we got extra minutes from Taj Gibson, 26 minutes. Still not enough for him to become a 12-team league guy, but it's pushing in the right direction. 8-7 and seven for Taj in those 26, while Steve Adams had 5-10 and 10 in his 33. Again, not a 12-team league guy. Ennis Cantor, 10-5 and five in 21 minutes. Now, with Abrines out, with Robertson limited, Doug McDirt played 32 minutes. And this is as McDermott as it gets. 10-7, and seven, the 7 rebounds are good, and 3 triples. He needs... Well, it's never going to happen. I don't care if he has a regular 35-minute role. He's not going to become a standard league guy. It's as simple as that. So even if Robertson and Abrines miss the next game and McDermott is introduced as a starter, it doesn't matter. He just doesn't do enough to become a standard league fantasy player. Onto the Grizzlies. Mike Conley was actually out. His eye swelled up overnight and he was unable to play. So Andrew Harrison went from being a DMPCD to the starter who played 37 minutes, 12-3-3 and for Andy he will likely go back to a limited role in the next game when Conley returns. Marcus Ole, 23-5-5, and three triples, two steals, four blocks. That is an absolute monster of a performance, while Tone Allen had 14-7-4 and with two steals without uh, without Conley around. Another big Zebo night, 20 points, nine boards in 26 minutes, but Gasol and Jermichael Green were limited in this game with their minutes, although Gasol ended up on 33. Yeah, Randolph is fine to keep owning for now, but... It could drop off pretty quickly for him. Vincey Carter had two triples in his 25 minutes starting, and Wade Baldwin continues to suck. I still think that Baldwin is going to be good, but man, he is terrible at the moment. As for Jermichael Green, he had three and four, and there's no way that you need to own him. The Los Angeles Lakers and the San Antonio Spurs, the Lakers doing everything they can to lose, and they still won. They sat D'Angelo Russell before the game with knee soreness. They pulled Brandon Ingram at half time after playing just 10 minutes with his knee soreness as a precaution. Jordan Clarkson then suffered a knee contusion, and he lasted just the 28 minutes, and they still won. They ran Meta World Peace out there for 17 minutes, and they still won. Because Greg Popovich responded by saying, cool, we're not playing our guys either. So it was a race to the bottom. Um, who is going to, Who's going to sit the most guys? What are the guys on the court going to actually do? You know, Kawhi, I'll oh, we'll get to the Spurs in a sec, but... But for the, the Lakers, and anyone who started to play well for the Lakers, they just limited them. Larry Nance started, played 21 minutes. No foul trouble. Only 21 minutes, though. He played 40 in the last game. He had 15 and 9 to steal and two blocks and was really into everything. And I think that he's a solid ad, but this sort of shit is going to continue. And this is why playing head-to-head leagues at this point of the year is the dumbest idea that you could have in fantasy. Tyler Ennis started over D'Angelo Russell. 19 points. Three triples, six assists, and two steals. And I've been telling you for a while about Tyler Ennis to watch him because if he gets the opportunity, he is going to rack up assists. And with the way that the Lakers are trending, there's no guarantee that Clarko or Russell are going to continue to play. 
because they are brazen about not giving any care whatsoever to winning games. So we might be seeing a fair bit of Ennis moving forward. Julius Randle had 11, 8, and 3 here while Tariq Black returned and played 27 minutes. He had 5 and 8 because you've got to play the inferior player um, to, to ensure the losses that then don't end up coming. David Nwaba had 10 and 5 in his 29 minutes, and he could find himself in with a substantial role moving forward if Ingram, Russell, and Clarkson all happen to uh, to miss some time down the road. As for the Spurs, well, after halftime, they just said that's enough. Kawhi, LaMarcus, they're not playing anymore. Kawhi had 14 minutes. Aldridge had 16. Tone Parker played 16. Power played 18. So there's very little to look at at this in this box score and go, shit, there's a lot I can do here because this was just the back-to-back against the Lakers and Pop just going, we do not care. We do not care at all. And we'll just sit all these guys. Davis Bertan stepped up. He had 14 points with four triples in 23 minutes. And he is a guy just to pay some attention to in case these sort of shenanigans go on again. But realistically, it's going to be tough to to get a handle on what the Spurs are doing, especially when this sort of stuff goes down. And this is, again, one of those things. And people, I say it often about don't play fantasy at this point of the year, or I say go easy in DFS at this point of the year. And people go, oh, the rest haven't been that bad. It's not It's not just the rest. It's this. This is this is the shit. The shutting down Ingram, Clarkson at halftime, Kawhi, Aldridge, Gasol, Parker, all these guys just having their minutes just cut in half. Just weird scenarios happening all over the place. And that's why you're not getting that many people, apart from the Dallas, the Sacramento bullshit, what is happening in Phoenix, it's happening in a few areas. But it's more the the in-game variability that's really frustrating. And because that doesn't allow you an opportunity to grab someone to to fill in the gap. If we knew Kawhi was out, if if Aldridge is out, you said Bertans might be worth a stream. Dave Lee might be worth a stream. Hey, let's grab Kyle Anderson. But when they just stop them at half time, you've got no ability of knowing this. And that's the real problem with it, in my opinion. The Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns, Steph had 21 points in the first quarter, ended up with 42, 5, and 11, eight triples, two steals, two blocks. Weirdly inefficient from the line, but 58% from the field. Shot better from the field than he did from the line. The Suns kept it relatively close, but the Warriors got the win. But that's why we had to see Steph play these extra minutes. This was a game, remember, that Draymond was out. Andre Iguodala was out resting. And, of course, Kevin Durant was out. Pat McCall returned to the starting lineup. He had 9-5-4 and four with three steals. But with Durant returning in the next game, along with Iguodala and Green, his value is gone. As is Barnsies, who played 29 minutes and had 8-8 eight and eight with two steals. A decent night from Matt there. Clay Thompson had 22-7 and seven as well. Pretty good night from him. But I think that his variability is going to reappear once um, once Durant returns on the weekend. James Michael McAdoo, he started in place of Draymond, played 22 minutes. And oddly enough to me, Kavon Looney did not play a single second. McAdoo played 22. He had 8-4 and four with a steal and a block. That's clearly nothing to write home about at all. On the Suns side of things, I touched on it earlier. Jared Dudley played 33 minutes. He had 19-7-6 with two steals and three threes. A huge performance from Duds um, with TJ Warren only playing 24 minutes there. I don't think that Dudley really has any value for 12s, maybe 14-team leagues, but this is a, this is an out-of-the-blues sort of performance. Marquise Chris only played 25 at 8-11-4 with a steal and a block, but he should be owned in Devin Booker. Scored 21 points, had five assists, had three steals. Really good. 
obliterated your field goals. 29% on 24 attempts is a massive, massive hole and just 71% from the line. So great counting stats, horrible efficiency. And that's been pretty much the trademark of him for most of the season. The same thing for Tyler Eulis, who had 25 and 6, but shot 38% from the field. And those guys just continue to be really large detriments to your uh, to your percentages, your field goal percentage in particular. Alex Lane, as I touched on, he had 3 fouls in 12, 12 minutes, 8 and 4. I expect him to get more minutes in the next game. The Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers, everyone was back apart from Seth Curry. We, not, we might not see Seth again for the rest of this season. Yogi Ferrell started 27 minutes, 14-3 and 6 with two steals for Yogi. If you've got someone like Corey Joseph, I would I would make that switch for Yogi Ferrell. Now, I think we're going to be we're not going to see much of Seth. Now Yogi's ceiling is limited because they're going to play him these sort of limited minutes and he's not that good. But he still can have an impact. JJ Barea had 14-3 and 3 while the pencil had 15-4 and 2 and it appears that Nerlens Noel is just not going to play minutes. 22 minutes for Nerlens, 6 and 4. That's not worth it. And in most cases, 10-team leagues, 12-team um, leagues, I don't think really owning Nerlens is going to be the greatest option. Dirk played. He had 9-4 and four in 28. I think you're going to get some rests from Dirk if you want to drop him, you, by all means. Well, where's, the Wes Matthews assault on assists continued. Another six dimes for Matthews in 36 minutes, 11-5 and five here with three triples for Wes. The guy that I'm really interested in on this team at the moment is Nicholas Brasino. He had a great chase down block in this game. He put up 9-4-1 with two triples in only nine minutes. And if we have these guys resting, especially like Wes um, and, and Seth... Brasino is a guy that they think can play the one, he can play the two, and he can play all the way up to the four. So he is really a guy in these last couple of games that is going to take a lot of my attention and could have some standard league value once you head into those last game of the year, second last game of the year. Definitely someone to watch. Shout out to uh, Will Enrique, who uh, who shared this video on Facebook Live. Thank you, Will, for uh, for sharing that out onto your timeline. Over onto the Clippers, Blakey Griffin, 32-4-6 and six in 38 minutes as the uh, the Mavericks did keep it closer than the Clippers would have liked, so big minutes for a lot of their guys. Chrissy Paul, 22-3-11, while JJ Redick got hot and had 25 points, including five threes with three steals. DeAndre Jordan pulled down 20 boards, and their bench was an absolute atrocity, as it is very often. Jamal Crawford went scoreless in his 20 minutes. He and Redick, I don't believe, are must-own guys. They're more streaming, specialist-type players, and that's... Uh, that's sort of where I sit with those guys. All right. That's all the action from Wednesday. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to preview the six games that we've got coming up on Thursday. Slipped away. If 
Let's talk perfect DFS on Fangio. Russ at it again, 73.8. Steph at 69.5. Joshy Richardson, 34.7. Reddick, 33.9. LeBron, 58. Matty Barnes, 23.1. Larry Nance, 31.8. Jared Dudley, 37.4. And Alan Williams, 44.4 for a total of 406.6. And that cost 59,900 on DraftKings. Russ again with a huge night, 83.25. Reddick, 37. Nance, 32.75. Jimmy Johnson, 41.5. Alan Williams, 46.75. Tyler Ennis, 33. Jarrett Dudley, 40.75. And Steph had 76.75 for a total of 391.75. The uh, total is, or the cost of that was 50000 And thank you, Luke Smith, for uh, typing in the giggity there. I couldn't get the giggity button in time, so I, I left it out on that Steph 69. But here you go. Giggity. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. And thank you, Glenn Quagmire. Let's talk about these games. It's a six-game Thursday that we've got coming up. The first one of those is the Brooklyn Nets. They take on the, sorry, the surging Brooklyn Nets. They take on the Orlando Magic. Um, Isaiah Whitehead missed the last game with an ankle sprain. He is probable for this one, but Shawnee Kilpatrick is dealing with some hamstring tightness, so he might be out. That's going to open up some minutes for guys like uh, KJ McDaniels. If Shawnee happens to be up, maybe 20 minutes there and a couple of minutes maybe for uh, for Archie Goodwin as well. The Magic are favored by two and a half. The total is 227, the biggest total of the night. The um, the offense of the Nets has been absolutely cooking at the moment. So that's why Jeremy Lin at 6,000 bucks is a pretty decent bet. He's, he's not a great one. He's not fantastic. But at 6,000 in a matchup against the Magic, you should be hoping that he's getting 30 plus. Now, is it 65 in DraftKings, which I don't like? But the 6,000 on, on Fangel is totally fine. Lord Alfred Payton at 7,400. I like Lord. Um, I like what he's been doing. I don't feel good about that for cash, but he's got that 50-point upside, and that is exactly what you want in a GPP. The matchup is superb for him also, so no problem with either of these point guards in this game. The um, Magic are going to be going with that point guard rotational system, so DJ Augustine will be the backup, and you should not care whatsoever. At shooting guard, Evan Fournier at 5,600. I think he just continually comes in as a solid cash play at that price. Get your 28 points for my 5,700, and that's it. That's 5X. That's just solid. He occasionally has um, um, has a bigger performance than that, and you know, his floor is generally pretty low. If you look at his DraftKings scoring, Fournier, in the last five games, his lowest score has been 27. And that's pretty bloody good to me, and I would have no problem with rostering him. For the, um, yeah, Shawnee Kilpatrick, Harris Levert, Hazonia, none of the other shooting guards are really worth a look. Terry Ross at 4,300. I like the upside there for Rossi. Yeah, 30-point upside for him makes him an interesting GPP guy, but he is a little unpredictable. Same with Rondé, Hollis Jefferson. And at 4,700, I don't really see a massive amount of value there in Rondé, unfortunately. At Power Forward, I like Eric, not Eric, I like Aaron Gordon. 5,700 for Gordo. He only put up 14 in the last game. I'm not too bothered about that. He is averaging, even including a 14-point game, averaging 41 across the last three. So at 5,700 with Jeff Green ruled out for the season. My name is Jeff. Um, yeah, he's going to get more minutes, and I think he's going to be a really interesting or a very good play here at that price. He's at 65 on DraftKings, so I'm less interested, but the matchup is brilliant, and I'm, I'm fine with using Aaron Gordon. At that spot, Trevor Booker at 44 is not really doing it for me at center. Here's some value, I reckon. Brookie Lopez, 7,100. He's got a good matchup against Nikola Vucevic. Bit of a down one in the last one for Brook, and that, but that was that absolute spanking that they laid on the sixes where everyone's minutes were spread out. 
Um, yeah, 30-plus from Brooks shouldn't be considered too much of a challenge here. Well, Nikola Vucevic has got a ripping record against Brook and the Nets as well, averaging 44 the last three times. He's an $8,100 price guy. No problem with him. But on DraftKings for Vooch, 74 makes it as sexy as it gets. Really, really good stuff for Vooch at that $7,400 price point. Let's move on. Next game now, Milwaukee. And Indiana, the Pacers are favored by four and a half, and the total is 201 points. Al Jefferson is questionable. He could be back. I don't think we care about that whatsoever. Let's uh, let's look at the point guards. Jeff Teague's at 7,000. My name is Jeff. Actually, before we get into that, Josh Naputi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Josh, he says, who would you feel more comfortable taking a speculative add-on, Alan Williams or the heartbreak kid, Sean Long? I'd probably take Big Source because I just feel that his upside for minutes is probably higher than what Sexy Boys is. Um, I like Long as a better as a better all-round prospect, but I just think that Williams' ability to get minutes is probably a little bit higher than what Long's is. But good question, Josh. Yeah, I like Jeff Teague here, 7000 Um The Bucks against point guards haven't been ideal, but I think what Teague's doing at the moment should give you a level of confidence in him for a cash game. Maybe the upside's not really there for a tournament, but I think that he's a he's a pretty decent uh, pretty decent guy here. With Brogo out, Matty Dellavedova will start, and he will be terrible, so I don't think we need to care too much about that. At shooting guard, Lance Stevenson. And again, I don't like Lance Stevenson. I don't like him as a player. I don't like him as a person. But I did very much enjoy him posting on Instagram the video of Norman Powell on a breakaway dunk with two seconds left when they were 30 points up against the Philadelphia Sixers of him um, throwing down a windmill for all the um, Raptors softcocks that tried to uh, start a fight with Stevenson because he did a layup with two seconds left. Absolutely humorous. Very humorous and huge, huge, huge thumbs up to Lance Stevenson from me based on that because... As you know, yesterday, I was uh, I was not happy with the way that the Raptors responded to Stevenson throwing that layup in at the end. Of the, and the fact that, and I'm sure someone showed him that, but the fact that he then put it out there is brilliant. And I want these teams to f- play in the playoffs and I want them to fight and I want I want stuff to happen. Loved it. As for Lance here, 3600 bucks. Um, I don't know, man. He, he put up 20 points in the last game. He closed the game out. He played 25 minutes. You could do a lot worse than throwing Lance Stevenson. One thing he can do is he can rack up the cheap points, rebounds, assists. Not that they're necessarily cheap, but he can do that. He can rack up those numbers. And at 3,600, get your 27 points out of him. Shit, no, why not? It, it, it can work. Now, he comes in at 38 on DraftKings. That takes a little bit of the edge away, but not too much. But he is a name to watch here. Yanni's at 10,000, sure. Yeah, I reckon 50 for him is not, not too far out of the question here. And I don't reckon we should be uh, all that interested in Monte Ellis. At small forward, Chrissy Middleton, $6,000, has been under recently, not really getting to that level. I don't I don't hate it. I don't love it, though. There's definitely some value, but I'm looking more as a, as a GPP option. While Paulie George is now at 9100 That's probably pushing it a bit far, but he is crushing. He's averaging 52 across the last five games. The matchup against the Bucks is a negative one, so I'm probably in a spot where I would fade Paul George, especially with that salary rise that he's going or that he under, underwent. Minimum salary, CJ Miles, always should be in your tournament pool. We saw it two games ago where he dropped 39, and then we saw last game where he dropped eight. That's the difference with CJ Miles. But you get 39 out of 3,500, 
man, you are well on the way to winning a tournament. And that's the sort of upside that he provides. But with the emergence or re-emergence of Lance Stevenson, his upside is probably limited in that sense. At power forward, Thaddeus Young, 4,700. He looks like he's back on track. And I would feel pretty okay, or pretty good, in fact, about using Thad at 4,700, 48 on DraftKings as well. He's been getting 25 a night comfortably. No problem. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty decent bet to have a look at him there. At center, Miles Turner, horrendous. You could only possibly use him in a GPP, but this matchup is brilliant against the Bucks. We've seen it all year. Big men do well against them. Uh, Miles at 55 on DraftKings, though. That's real tough to go past. The salary drop, the matchup, the fact that he's been so putrid recently that you think that, shit, you're going to get a 30-pointer out of him here or something. Um, I like him at 5,500 on DraftKings. At 62 on Fangio, that is more tournament-based to me. Greggy Munro, Thon McCurr, Spencer Hawes, I can't see any of those guys being real DFS assets. The next game we're going to take a look at is, who is it? It is the Chicago Bulls and the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, yeah, the Bulls. Um, Dwayne Wade is out for this game, but he is going to return, apparently, which is uh, weird. That's probably going to... Um, It's probably going to kill the Bulls' playoff chances because they have been so much better with Wade around and terrible with him in the lineup. It's going to be really interesting to see how they do that. Now, Rajon Rondo is actually questionable in this one with a wrist injury. If he misses, who knows what the Bulls would do. I would assume that they would go back to Michael Carter-Williams, who's been the backup, but do they reinstate Jaron Grant as a starter? Do they recall campaign from the D-League? I don't know. And that will be the interesting part. If we hear Rondo's out, hear what they're going to do, but... I would imagine that Michael Carter-Williams will be that guy, and he's a $3,000 guy on DraftKings, and that could um, that could be an interesting play, minimum salary on FanDuel as well. So that is a that is one to watch for sure because some value could open up there. I like TJ McConnell a lot, 5,600 here. Um, that's on FanDuel, 6,000 on DraftKings, no problem with using TJ. And as for Rondo, he is a $7,000 player. That is uh, it's too high, I believe, at, at seven thousand for Rondo. Seven thousand on both sides. I'm not not really all that keen on using him there at shooting guard. Sauce Castillo, no, but I like Timotei Lawawu Cabarro, but I don't like him at these prices. Fifty six hundred for Lawawu Cabarro on DraftKings. That's not happening. Forty eight hundred for him on FanDuel has some appeal. He's averaging twenty eight over the last five, so you get twenty eight at forty eight hundred. It's a win. Um, I'm not really that worried about the Bulls bothering him or shutting him down. But a lot of the value is taken away from Luawu Cabro at that sort of price rise. But he but he can have some value there. At small forward, Alex Poitras, minimum salary player on Fangio, 3,500. He's at 4,000 on DraftKings. We've seen him get 20-plus minutes in both his games and put up you know, almost 20 points in both those games. And if, at 3,500, if you give me 20 points, I am happy with it. It allows me to build the rest of my lineup pretty, pretty well. So especially with Sharich Limited, I think that Poitras is an interesting option that yeah, should feel pretty good about getting you 20 points. Justin Anderson continues to start, but he's not really doing enough. I'd leave him as a GPP guy. Well, I like Jim Butler at 9,900. Has a good record against Philly. Going to put the team on his back, you would think. If Rondo is out, it boosts Butler up significantly. I think it's a pretty decent spot for him. I don't think that Denzel Valentine or Paulie Zipser are really worth paying too much attention to. At power forward, Nikola Miritich is 5,700. When he is used correctly, he'll smash that. When he gets Hoiberg, he won't. And that's a simple fact there. It is 
a little tough to rely upon him, but I, I would feel all right about using him. Probably lean a little bit more towards tournaments, and especially on DraftKings at six thousand. But fifty-seven on Fanduel, I wouldn't DM. I wouldn't feel too much hesitation in going with him in a tournament. Bob Portis, yeah, he'll pop off occasionally, but he's bad. Rashawn Holmes, six thousand one hundred. I think that's too high for Holmes. I like what he can do, but that just it feels too high. While um, at center, Robin Lopez at forty-seven hundred. Sixes, centers, it's a good match normally, but Lopez has just been so putrid that I just don't feel comfortable with using him. I could totally go GPP with him, no problem with that, but I don't really like it um, from a cash perspective. Now, sexy boy Sean Long's at 3,900. I like that. He's been getting you 23, 24 points a night, and at 3,900, that's um, that's a fine sort of return. So he is uh, he's worth a look there for sure. The next game up. We've got the uh, Washington Wizards and the New York Knicks. No spread currently released for this one. We don't know the um, we don't know the status of. What's well, just? Yep. Um, he missed the last game with a sore back. He might be back. He might not. We don't know what's going to happen with Carmelo Anthony. Will the resting veteran play thirty-seven minutes again? Will he sit out? Who knows? Nobody knows. Hornacek doesn't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what this team is doing. Nobody knows how to run anything. Jim Dolan's too busy calling people assholes. Nobody knows. What the hell's going on? But what I do know is that Rugged Ronnie Baker is going to play a shit ton of minutes. He's at 3,600, and he is bad. No denying that he is bad. But he's averaging 21 points over the last three games. And if you're at 3,600, and you can guarantee me 21 points, I will take it. And then I will be able to use Carl Anthony Towns, Dame Lillard, Isaiah Thomas, John Wall, these other players next to him. I don't think that he's got any upside to go much higher than that, but... In a cash game, if you give me 22 at 3,600, it's a really good start. As for John, he's at 10,500. Um, good matchup for him. Not really feeling that confident of him exceeding value at 10,500, but if you've got the cash around, then he, he yeah, I feel pretty good if he's getting at least 40 and probably pushing to 45. So there is there is something to say there for John. Brandon Jennings against his former team, I just don't think he's going to play enough to have any impact there. While Courtney Lee, no no thanks. Justin Holiday, 36, probably not. Rattles Beal, 7,500. Beal has been good, but he hasn't been $7,500 good. I'm not interested in him at that price. Small Ford Mallow, who knows? 6,700, he played 37 minutes in the last game. He could easily exceed that value, but who knows what they're going to do with him. But he's quite a risky play if you're going to do it. Maybe you throw him into a GPP, and that works because that price is pretty low. If if he's going to play 37 minutes, then he's got every chance of getting close to 40 points, and that could very easily happen with Mallow. But the uncertainty of it is is the nightmare. Boyan Bogdanovich is only a tournament play, while Otto Porter I have no interest in. Same with Kelly Oubre. At power forward, Porzingis at 7,200. If he plays, I love it. But we don't know if he'll play. And we don't know if he does play, if he will play the full complement of minutes. So that's a tough one. Markeith at 54. I want nothing to do with him. Well, Jason Smith popped off for four, not 41, for 27 points in the last game at 4,100. That's a great return. I just don't, I don't believe that Jason Smith's going to come out and drop five threes in every game. The guy to watch is Maurice Ndua, 3,800 for Ndua, started in place of Porzingis. If that happens again, then at 3,800, he's going to be used in lots of spots, but that makes him a really good cash play, I think, and his ability to exceed that value 
it should be fairly guaranteed if he gets the start. Speaking of unguaranteed, which I wasn't, but 5,100 for Billy Hernan Gomez, he's probably going to see minutes in the low 20s. And that's not going to be enough, unfortunately, because he continually gets dicked around. He's at 54 on DraftKings, and the appeal is no doubt there. But he's struggling at the moment. You know, only half of his last seven games is he has he cracked through 25 points, and that's not really encouraging. Speaking of cracking through, Cock is at 4,100. He had 38 in the last game. Absolutely love him as a GPP guy. But of course, we can't trust what's going to happen with him in cash. While the Wizard Center's Gortat, no way. I like Mahinmi, though, at 31 on DraftKings for, for Yarn. Um, I don't trust it, but I think that there's a real chance, with the Knicks Center's being as piss poor as they are, that Mahinmi can go out there and have 25. And at 3,100, that's a big, big deal. So I like him as a tournament, you know, my real cheap tournament type of guy for this matchup or for this day is, uh, is Yarn Mahinmi. Let's go to the next game. We're talking Boston and Atlanta. The Celtics are favored by one, and the total is 209. The Hawks have got a few guys we need to check the status of, but they're all ruled as probable. Paulie Millsap, Malcolm Delaney, Kent Bazemore, and Timmy Hardaway, where for the Celtics, Jay Crowder says he should be right to go, despite his elbow still giving him uh, pain. At point guard, Isaiah. He is at 8,600. The back-to-back is a little bit of a bother, but the matchup against the Hawks cancels that out. I've got no no qualms about uh, about throwing him in there. He's at eighty. That was eighty-six on DraftKings. He's eighty-five on Fangio, which is probably even better. As for Dennis Schroeder, who has been crushing it, seventy-three hundred for Schroeder. No problem with using him as well. That's a Fangio price. He's at seventy-eight on DraftKings, so I'd take some exception to that. But with what Schroeder's been doing, averaging thirty-six and a half across his last five, and then he gets this great matchup. And the rivalry that these two have is something that's very interesting too. I'm 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 on board with using I'm in board. I could actually see GPPs with both of these guys, Thomas and Schroeder, being successful. Timmy Hardaway at fifty six hundred. Um just with everyone sort of coming back here. Um no no Tarbo still, but everyone else sort of returning. It's a little hard at fifty six hundred to trust him fully. So I don't think I'd be totally in there. While Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, I don't think there's anything to see there. Torian Prince at 4,200, 36 minutes in the last game, 28 points with the same players available. I think that Princey at 4,200 is solid. I don't think that he is a core play. I think that he would be more of a tournament type of a player. Jay Crowder, Kent Bazemore, I'm not interested in those guys. At power forward, Amir Johnson, no way. Ursan Ilyasova, let's go another, no way. While Pulley Millsap at 7,300, we don't know if he's going to be under a minute's restriction. At this point, we assume that he is, and that would register him as a no way as well. Even if he was at four minutes, I don't think I'd be ready to go with him here. Dwighty Howard at 7,500, I actually don't mind Howard at that price. I think that there is some value, but if um, the, the return of Millsap does impact Dwight a little bit, but at 7,500 against a front court that allows multitudes of rebounds, I think that Dwight is in play. Al Horford against his former team, 7,100 for Al. Yeah, probably feels just a bit high for me, but at 63 on DraftKings, I think that's a pretty good spot for Al. I don't think it's the best. I don't think it's a core play. I would be okay using it in cash though, but I wouldn't feel totally comfortable about doing that. Let's move on now to the second last game. 
the Minnesota, or not the second one, the last, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Portland Trail Blazers. The um, repeat of the game earlier this week, the Blazers are favored by six and the total is 218.5 at point guard. Dame Lillard is at 9,100, always worth a GPP look. He does well against this team. He's always got 50-point upside, so that's that's for him. Rick Rubio, 7,900 is too high. I won't be uh, engaging in that. Alan Crabb at 3,700. GPP written all over that for Krabby. He put up some nice defensive numbers in the last game. He can give you 30 with some hot shooting. And at 3,700, I think that's an absolutely fine uh, fine way to approach looking at this matchup. So I think that Crab is uh, is worth a gander. CJ McCollum at 71, I really like as well. I think that you're looking at 40-ish from him is not even necessarily absolute ceiling. He's averaging 40, um, uh, where is he? He's averaging 46 in the last three games on DraftKings scoring against the Wolves. So, yeah, I'm pretty pretty okay with rolling him out there. Chrissy Dunn looks to have been reduced once again. At small forward, Mo Harkless at 3,700. Uh, yeah, don't love it, but I, I do think that he has some tournament upside here. Well, Evan Turner, I reckon, on uh, DraftKings at 3,700, I think Evan Turner's almost a lock to get you 20 points. 20 plus points even. And that could be a very valuable thing at 3,700. So don't eschew the value of Evan. Andy Wiggins is at $7,400. He's got 50 point upside. He becomes one of the better tournament plays, but he's not a cash guy in my opinion. Shabazz Muhammad had a big one in the last one, but I don't really trust that to continue. I like Noel Vonley at 3,500. He had two points in the last game. But he was limited by fouls. I think that 3,500, he is absolutely worth a look. And I love Gorgie Jing at 5,600. Al Farouk Aminu at 48, I think he's also worth a look. At center, Carl Towns, 10,200. Yeah, it's all right, but he he's very rarely getting to 5x value. So it's more if you've just got the cash left over and you just need bulk points, then it's fine. But don't build a lineup around him. More, more a tournament type guy, but he is, look, he's putting up consistent numbers, but it's consistently not high enough. Let's talk picks of the day. Before we do that, a question from Luke Smith. He says, drop Eric Gordon in head-to-head. Are you sure? I'm never 100% sure, but I'm saying with Ryan Anderson potentially returning on Friday, then Gordon goes back to those numbers that we've seen from him, not the last week, but the weeks before that, which were piss poor. He's not going to play 37 a night. He's not going to take as many shots as he was, and he's going to go back to this Guy that's really just a three-point streaming specialist. When Anderson comes back, then yes, I think Gordon's droppable. Before he comes back, then no. But have a look at what he was doing before Ryan Anderson went out and tell me if that's a must-own player. So that's that's where I'm getting that from, Luke. But uh, thank you for pulling me up on that. I always appreciate, appreciate and I'm being serious, um, yeah, people questioning me because it gives me a chance to explain things or maybe even yeah, revisit an opinion or, or reinvestigate something that I've said. On FanDuel, picks of the day, Rugged Ronnie Baker, 36, TJ McConnell, 56, and Dame at 91, Lance at 36, McCullum, 71, Adda de Kumpo at 10,000, at small forward, Poitras at 35, Wigo at 74, and Butler at 99, at power forward, Vonley, 35, Aaron Gordon, 57, and at center, the sexy boy, Sean Long. He's at 3,900, Brookie Lopez, 71, and Vucevic at 81. On DraftKings, Baker 4,000, McConnell 6,000, Lillard 88, shooting guard Turner, Evan Turner 37, McCullum 69, and Butler 97. 
Poitras 4000, Mallow 66, and Adedokumpo 98. Aminu 5000, Aaron Gordon 65, and Townsie at 10-2. And at center, Mahinmi 31, and Miles Turner 55. On Moneyball, Ronnie Baker 35, Jeremy Lin 57, and Isaiah 86. Lance Stevenson 35, Chris Middleton 57. At small forward, Sean Long 37. He's a small forward on Moneyball. Wiggins, 74, and Jim Butler, 10-2. At power forward, Vonleh, 38. Gordon, 59. And at center, Kylo Quinn, 39. Brooke Lopez, 76. And Towns at 10-4. On draft stars, rugged Ronnie Baker, 5-1-5-0. McConnell, 9900 And Lillard, 17-1-5-0. At shooting guard, Luwawu Cabrero, 61. Terrence Ross, 9-1-5-0. And McCullum at 14-3-5-0. Torian Prince, 53. Hollis Jefferson, 8-4-5-0. And Jim Butler, 19-4. At power forward, Noah Vonleh. 5,000, Vooch at 13-2, and Dwight Howard at 14-3, and the center sexy boy Sean Long, 6-9-5-0, Bill Hernan Gomez, 87, and Carl Anthony Towns, 18-8-5-0. We're done. Subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode. Even if you don't want to listen at this point in the season, just download the podcast. Help keep the numbers rolling in so I can keep turning these lights on, these literal lights that are in my face, so I can keep putting uh, food into my ample stomach. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore bball and Instagram at the same and facebook.com slash redrockbasketball. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. David Fisdale.